0: you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head.
1: I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain! Are you telling me you built a time machine
0: out of a DeLorean? This
1: is the Stupid answer
2: no. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Hello there, children!
1: Hey, hey, kids! <laughs>
2: Don't worry, I got an idea.
3: And now the host of the stupid cancer show, Matthew Zach. Woohoo! Not that
2: there's anything wrong with that.
1: Because he has a lot of chicks <laughs> right.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 384 of the Stupid Cancer Show. The voice of young adult cancer. I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, a proud 20-year brain cancer survivor, coming to you now from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. Broadcasting since 2007, The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer online at stupidcancer.org
4: i Kenny Kane, co-founder of Stupid Cancer, welcoming all of our first-time and returning listeners. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. It is not okay that 72,000 young
2: adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer under 40? It sucks, huh? Time to get busy living folks because the stupid cancer show is changing the world one King Long Fusion at a time. A it is our post-CancerCon 2016 wrap-up show. CancerCon huge. improves patients' lives and has truly changed the world. We are joined by first timer attendee Danny Heinsen, H- who just celebrated his tenth year in remission from brain cancer by competing the Iron Man Canada. He recently founded My Hometown Heroes, a scholarship fund for young adults with cancer. I and our survivors' ballot on young adult survivor and fellow can cancer ground attendee, Ryan Walker. Walker. Man, what a conference. What a show this is going to be. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Welcome, Team Stupid Cancer employees.
3: Here We're here.
2: We <laughs> We're alive. We are alive. We are alive. We are alive. Uh wow yeah Noel this was your first CancerCon
3: it was it was
2: impressions
4: absolutely incredible still trying to kind of take it all in and what are we a week after yeah it's yeah.
2: barely a week think about it it's Monday we flew back a week ago now the reflection y- posts come out yeah. yeah yep. it's been a big deal no I for what it's worth I mean people came up to me saying who's Noel he's amazing you know not like who's Noel like how dare you not know yeah you know, but like you you shined. Well, thank you for what it's worth. You, thank you, you. You did you did great. I didn't personally watch you do great, <laughs> but I heard you did great. Thank you. Thank you. And, I personally uh, watched him do great. I know, I know good, you did, Kenny. Good things. And uh, Mal, this is your second.
3: Yes, it was my second,
2: and it, it happened. Yeah.
3: Um. It was as amazing as I remembered last year being. Um. In some ways, even more so because I I wasn't on crutches, which is always nice. I didn't want to say it. Um. Yeah. No crutches, which is good. Um. But I thought it was excellent. I thought everything went really well. There was a lot of exciting stuff from the governor to Andrew to all the plenaries and breakouts. It was just, there was some weather, but it was still spectacular.
2: And that didn't really stop the uh, Hard Rock incident.
3: Oh, no. The Hard (laughs) Rock was rocking. It was great.
2: For those listening that were not able to attend, we had our um, first-timer uh, welcome reception on Thursday night.
3: Our pre-con mixer. Pre-con
2: mixer, thank you. And uh, 300 and some odd plus people came out.
3: They had to shut the hard rock down. There were too many of us and we were just too awesome.
2: It was amazing. It was fantastic. I'm glad I made it over there. Um,
3: and was, there was karaoke, which oh, just that, makes my soul
2: sore. That karaoke was good stuff. Good it was stuff. spectacular. So Kenny, this is your last Cancer Con. Actually, I should, I should say with an asterisk. Your last Cancer Con as an employee that of Stupid is true. Cancer. You I you will be back next year because you are staying in our universe. I am. But uh, formal mic drop announcement yesterday on social, Kenny announced his uh six and a half year romance tenure with me here at Stupid Cancer uh is coming to a close. Tears and, were shed. Yes, it was difficult, and I hate you for making me cry in front of my wife and children. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we are very happy for you, and uh, you found your true calling, men's testicles.
4: Yep. You know, it's, it's been a secret passion of mine <laughs> for a long time. Ever since
2: your dad wanged his.
4: Oh, God. Uh yeah, so I will be moving to Austin at the end of the month and taking the role of executive director of the Testicular Cancer Foundation online at testicularcancer.org.
2: And what do they do?
4: They provide awareness and support for young adults, young men, uh 15 to 35 who are at risk of being diagnosed. So the goal is to end late stage diagnosis by increasing awareness and, and early detection. Sure, yep, making sure Guys know how to check themselves properly, which is uh, best done in the shower. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to expanding and growing the organization.
2: And living in a city where your house will cost less than your apartment to rent.
4: Yes, this is also true. (laughs) There is a cost of living adjustment that that is overwhelmingly amazing.
2: Yeah. Well, we're very happy for you. You did build an empire. You're clearly not going away, and we know that. And ever since you adopted my children as your godfather, um, je- my wife will never let you truly go away either. Exactly. So you're at her mercy, not mine, which is much worse than my mercy. Right. Well, I'm aware of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's a big news drop right there. But let's talk about the road trip, your final road trip.
4: It was. Until it
2: comes to Austin next year. <laughs>
4: right. Uh, it was great. We stepped into... Uh, personally, which, what was our, uh, 50th state each, which was Alaska, John has been to Hawaii. I've been to Hawaii, uh, and Florida. So Hawaii and Florida are technically the only states that the road trip hadn't been in. Uh, but it was great to be able to spread the word of stupid cancer in all 50 states since I had gone to Hawaii over the summer last year and spoke at their first ever young adult cancer conference. And, uh, had a great turnout. Anchorage came out in force. It's amazing. I think it speaks to the fact that, uh, support is desperately needed in places where, uh, it's got the least. Uh, and I think Anchorage is definitely an example of that versus Chicago, which was not the best turnout, but again, just the, the difference in major city versus uh, smaller city. And, uh, there's so much work still to be done.
2: Yeah, you know, I look at the vehicles you've driven over the past five years. You went from a uh, Beetle Turbo yep, to a Chevy Volt. That's right. To a Dodge Charger. Yep. To a sort of flaccid by comparison Chevy Tahoe.
4: Well, that was the LTZ.
2: Yeah. Oh, it so was. So you had the it, V8. It bugged. Okay. And to a Camaro SS Hyperdrive Star Trek vehicle.
4: It was great. I actually split a pair of jeans getting into it. Uh, and then 30 miles down the road, there was a uh a Levi store which was <laughs> excellent so uh serendipity there uh now the trip was great thanks chevy walgreens uh CL Genetics, Decade oncology Lily everybody who you know has sponsored us over the years and and come out to the events. it has been truly remarkable, and uh there's just no other way to describe it uh other than that, and you know seeing is believing and and being there for the moments when. You know, it's late at night or we're driving long distances and, uh, you know, it's great to be able to see people in their home turf and then see them again at CancerCon because that's uh, one of the other benefits. Everybody is so excited that they're going to CancerCon and then we stop in their hometown and it's just this whole month of a lot of fun.
2: That was a big deal. And we threw up all the episodes and the mashup on Vimeo, Vimeo.com slash Cancer. There's a whole channel just for the road trip this year, and we're very excited. John Sabia, special shout out to your uh, your your buddy there. Yep, and uh, did a great job. Really he good did. stuff. He did, and the CancerCon video, also which John crunched on site, which was astounding.
3: Made me cry. It was
2: totally amazing. It's better every year. It does get, it got, I mean, it wasn't better because that implies it wasn't good last year. It was like, it got so differently engaging and amazing.
3: It was a new level.
2: And it was very different. So you can check that out also at Vimeo.com slash stupid cancer. We also mic drop the CancerCon 2017. will also be in Denver the same weekend at the Sheraton downtown Denver. And the CancerCon.org website will very soon be updated to reflect that. There will be a new newsletter. Sign up to get alerts on what's going on and to connect on social. Uh, really exciting stuff. Um, amazing. So, Mallory, your immediate takeaways, having done two of these now.
3: Um, I'm still processing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be done processing. But I think all in all, it was an incredibly successful weekend. And things were spectacular. And but good things happen when you put... 600 people in a room.
2: It was a big deal. Yeah. Well, congrats to all, and thanks for those who came. And we will be throwing up some enduring media on the web uh, later this month. For those who couldn't attend can actually uh, watch some of the workshops and sessions that were done. And we hope to do the entire conference, at least the public parts of the entire conference, for next year. Excellent. So that no one misses out on what they need to learn and experience and, and make it available to everyone. So with that, let's... Get our first guest a cancer con attendee brian walker in our survivor spotlight brian walker first time cancer con attendee 26 year old stage 3b Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor who started to understand the positives and the negatives we're really excited to have him on the show please welcome the one and only brian walker hello sir
1: ooh, ooh, ooh. thank you thank you thank you
2: <laughs> where are you calling in from
1: Uh, Pensacola, Florida.
2: So basically the opposite of the weather you had in Denver at CancerCon. Yes,
1: sir. Yes, sir. Complete, uh, 85 degree weather. No snow.
2: Had you ever seen snow before?
1: (laughs) Uh, yes. Uh, once or twice. Not a lot.
2: Got it. Got it. Yeah, always a surprise for the, for the, the, the Southern folks that come out to Denver when it snows. So we're happy to introduce you to weather. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you.
2: I got to tell you, I was, uh, really excited to read your post. Uh, we, we are, you can never quite get used to the outpouring of what the hell just happened. Social media narratives from our attendees, but yours was amazing. And I was hoping we could learn more about your story. Stage three B Hodgkin's lymphoma, 26 years old. That sucks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, would you be, uh, hopefully, uh, you can share with us what your life was like prior to. Where were you in your life, and how did this all happen? How did you find out?
1: Okay. Um, well, diagnosed at 25. Uh, I was living in uh, Knottville, Tennessee at the time, or well, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Uh, I was working for a distillery at that time uh, selling alcohol. Uh, I was misdiagnosed uh, two different times by two different doctors, as um, I had bronchitis and then chronic bronchitis two months later. And finally, one night, my roommate just told me I had to go see somebody at the uh, doctor. I had to go to the emergency room. Uh, Also, I was working in school working on my master's at the time. I had just started school back working on my master's. So um, 1130 at night on November 8th, uh, uh, my story started, Um, and it has not ended since then. So, uh, I, I completely, I completely moved home to Birmingham, Alabama. That's where my mother and father, uh, were living. Uh, I moved there for, uh, a year where I started treatments in December, uh, to May, May 17th, which actually be this coming Friday, May 13th, I apologize, uh, will be my one year post chemo. Uh, so, uh, I am excited to get that data. I, I didn't think I was going to see that at, at one point in time. So,
2: so how long was it between your being told you actually have cancer mm-hmm. and when your treatment started?
1: Uh, about one month. Um, the reason why is UAB requires you to have a certain percentage uh, com- uh, confirmation of cancer. So um, I was at the 89% high uh, lymphoma. I needed to be at the 90, 92% if I'm not mistaken, uh, diagnosed 100% uh, 92% high lymphoma before they would accept me. So it took about. I had to do um, two different sets of bi- uh, biopsies just to ensure that everything was done properly and I could get in.
2: So you know this from attending the conference and by just being in the club that no one wants to belong to, that fertility is a key issue in our demographic that tends to get ignored. Was that brought to your attention?
1: Uh, Yes, it was, um, and it was brought in very quickly. Um, I actually had to see uh, a couple of specialists on many different occasions uh, to see if we could possibly uh, save the children, as I would say.
2: Save the children. That's a really great way to repurpose that charity. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. So how did you find out about CancerCon?
1: Okay. Uh, My uh, patient navigator at UAB, they give everyone a patient navigator. Um, And actually, last year, going through chemo, I came uh, last year. Um, She was the one that, that told me, like, hey, you really need to get out of the house. This will be a wonderful event for you to go. Um, and I started doing some research, and I and I ended up finding about super cancer and the wonderful things y'all are doing. So last year was my first one that I decided to come to, uh, and this year was my second one that I made sure I I attended as well.
2: So that speaks volumes to me. You had a patient navigator helping you at the at the hospital. That is something that we don't hear a lot about, and we work very closely with nurse navigators and patient navigator groups, and they tend to be few and far between. I I can only assume that it came in really handy.
1: Yes. Yes, she is a wonderful lady. Uh, She helped me out. She was the one that that kept me on my toes. She kept me informed on a lot of uh, different things in the cancer world that I could uh, try to be involved in. Uh, and I thank her a lot for that. She was, like I said, she was the one that was a driving force to get me to CancerCon last year. Uh, and so she's been wonderful through, through the whole process.
2: So you've now experienced this event. So wait, was CancerCon last year your first jump into the young adult cancer support world?
1: Yes, yes. Now that's And a... I was uh, at the end of chemo last year uh, when I came. I had two more treatments.
2: That's a deep dive. That's like going from zero to 110 seconds. How was that for you?
1: Uh, very emotional. Um, I, I had to leave a couple of sessions because uh, I had to, to gather myself. Uh, I'm ex- I really was thankful that I was able to be exposed to it because uh, it helped save my life and it introduced uh, a couple of friends of mine who are really, really who I'm really close to now.
2: So, returning champion for this year, you had a whole year to plan and you know prepare yourself for another highly emotional engagement. What was your experience like this year, and how did it differ?
1: Uh, well, last year I was going through as a cancer patient, so I did not, you know, I, I was at that stage in my life. This year, I wanted to come back and to uh, solidify everything that that I, I learned last year just to ensure that I was still doing the correct things almost. Um, and also I, I wanted to come. I had a couple of friends of mine who going through the cancer world as well, um, whose first time was this time, and I got them to come along with me. So it was a fun experience to bring more people into it. Um, I, it, it this year was a little bit different because I got to see things from the outside. So I felt like I was more of a mentor uh, than an actual patient this year. So that was kind of interesting.
2: So, would you be willing to share with us some of your your high point? I mean, they were probably all high points, but what were some of your favorite uh, things that happened this year? And and you can say karaoke because that's everyone's answer.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, Kara- uh, karaoke was amazing. Uh, we didn't get to do the baseball game this year, but that's okay. Karaoke was amazing. Uh, two breakout sessions that I absolutely love. That the reason why I decided to come back was it just for guys uh, to. Uh, hour-long meeting that we had with those and then also the um one of the um uh speaking learning how to um give your message away i can't think of the name of it but that one was amazing as well
2: so again yeah and, and for those again that weren't able to attend we typically have a game with with the rockies uh as but it snowed and they, the rockies canceled the game so a we got our money back which is good but it was just another yes, great yes. experience that that could have you know made it, it even cooler. But again, karaoke right. won the conference to begin with, so we can right. we can own that. So I, I want to read your your Facebook post on the air, if that's okay with you, a, a, a because it's okay. like public domain and everyone in the world kind of read it. <laughs> <clears throat> but you know, in the spirit of how we as the staff have to step away from the conference a little bit to run it. But then to see that it isn't just a cool thing to have, it truly does change people's lives and it helps them be better stewards and citizens and activists and advocates. Uh, you wrote the following uh, at the closing uh, of CancerCon, uh, and, and our board chair, Thea Linscott, actually read this because you wrote it at the conference during the closing ceremonies. So, right, right. Today, it's time to end my journey with my second family family isn't always blood it's the people in your life who want you in theirs the ones who accept you for who you are the ones who would do anything to see you smile and who love you no matter what the conference has changed my mind body and soul in a short time cancer con i'm out i pray everyone continues to be a vessel for the young adult cancer world and we will fight to save at least one life seriously powerful
1: stuff yes sir yes sir
2: so how can and the we the
1: interested? Okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Follow up. Okay. The, the interesting point was I was actually on my flight out uh, when I wrote that because I had to be at the airport by two o'clock. So I wasn't able to be there at the closing ceremony um, due to I had to get back home uh, for some stuff to happen that night. So uh, I, I wrote that and didn't think it was going to get as much spotlight as it did.
2: Well, it did, <laughs> and it, it kind of <laughs> shut down closing ceremonies for a few minutes as everyone really tried to process it. And I'm I'm fairly certain it did inspire the people to write very similar, incredibly heartwarming posts.
1: Yeah. So how? And that's can, wonderful. That is that is that is the intention. Um, that is what to me that is what CancerCon is about is to get to get people to uh, uh, love themselves again and to figure out what is on the other side with like.
2: And and that to me as the the founder of the organization and to see the conference germinate over the past nine years, this is our seventeenth event, is that you came the first year as a customer. You needed yes, the help. And that you came the second year as an ambassador and an advocate to help people just like you and to be a part of the brand experience. That is so important. For us to acknowledge and reflect on, and that you are now an empowered, you know, superhuman for the young adult cancer world. How can we help you? What is your goal? What is your vision? Whether it's UAB, which we'd love to have a relationship with, or right there in your home city in Florida?
1: Uh, You know, the the, the one thing I wish is just to keep growing, uh, to to get as many people. Um, as involved as we can, um, it is it is one beautiful thing when you know we can get six hundred people who you know do not know each other can come together for a weekend, and now you know we are family for the rest of our lives. Uh, I I was I just so happened the other day I was in Walmart and I had my cancer concert on in Walmart, and I met a young lady who was currently going through chemo uh, treatments, and and I talked to her for forty five minutes. Thirty of which she probably didn't want to talk to me about, but <laughs> I talked to her for that. I talked to her for that long um, about you know what to look for in the Cancer itself and and what the conference can bring. So um, you know as long as 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 we continue going down the same path, and the reason why I say we because I feel like I'm a part of it now uh, is that you know we continue to grow and touch as many lives as we can.
2: Well, again, that that again speaks incredible volumes. Uh, I want to touch on the fact that you just completed your master's in health administration yes sir that's a big deal too and you were pursuing this yeah. before you got sick as well was this always your career trajectory
1: uh yes sir i was um about six months into the program when i was diagnosed uh and i had to take i took uh four months out of school uh, to you know just to go ahead and get the chemo process started and i decided that I needed to get back into school. Uh, I did not allow um, chemo to stop my life or cancer to stop my life any longer. So I started school back uh, full load and, and tried to get it knock out school as quickly as possible.
2: Well, so you're now working in as a healthcare recruiter. So you, not only are you yes, preaching and walking the walk, you're actively helping people seek care.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Which is it's a little different because I'm on the other side of things. So you know, I'm bringing in nurses and trying to get them placed into places that I feel that they can be a fit for. So it is wonderful to be able to be on the grass on the grassroots level of trying to provide care for patients.
2: So you have no kids. You live on the beach, and you love tacos. I think those are my favorite parts of your story.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, and vodka, and vodka.
2: Oh, come on. Then you, you should work for me. <laughs> Let's come up to New York. Good stuff. And I, you, you wrote some really compelling things. Your your key points again, and it, it just it talks all about, you know, it, it speaks to who you are, self-esteem and self-love, enjoying enjoying the process of chemo, words that have never really maybe been strung together before. Working post-treatment and using social media as an outlet, which you clearly have done. Was that something that came nat- naturally to you when you were originally diagnosed? You went right to the web to, to vent or to uh, share?
1: Yes. Uh, my story was a little different. I went to the web because people, uh, a bunch of people started talking and rumors started spreading that I was on my deathbed and, and I was going to die. So that's the reason when I started the Facebook post um, process, just to allow everyone to uh, to stay up to date, but I didn't want them coming to see me. Um, I didn't want people to see me sick. I didn't want them to see me down. So I used Facebook to kind of uh, help me uh, to be my self-motivation and, and self-therapy.
2: Well, so what are your... We always ask this question. If you were to, and you are, meeting like this, this person in Walmart, what's your message? What do you want people to know about your story and what they can learn from your experiences.
1: Uh, two things I always tell people, especially the ones that are going through the process, is to enjoy the process. And everyone always looks at me a little weird when I say that. But you know, um, in life, you know, in order to get the end result, you have to you have to enjoy the process. You have to enjoy the nights of throwing up. You have to enjoy the, the three a.m. Um, Rollovers, you know, when you can't sleep, and and by enjoy, I mean remember it and and soak it all in, because at the end of the day, it gets better, you know. And when it, it, and life is so much now. I smile all the time now at work, and people are like, you know, you're stressed. Why are you smiling? And it is because I've been to a low point, and I was able to live in it and thrive in it, and now I'm in a a high point, so I can I love life a little bit more.
2: Well, Brian, I can't uh, thank you enough for. I mean, this is just an emotional outpouring of humanity. It's it's been amazing, and I I really hope we get to see you again next year at, yes, at uh, CancerCon. I can only imagine you're 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 definitely coming back, and we want to work with you to empower your community. I, I would love to have Mallory connect with you, and let's get UAB on our roadmap okay. so we can get more patients okay. to come out from the south and. The fact okay. that you had a navigator is amazing to us. We don't hear those stories a lot. So getting in touch with the team that helps people like you really find resources is incredibly critical to us, ensuring that no one goes unaware of what they're, they're entitled to know about. And and I can't thank them enough for helping us uh, find you.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I guess we'll be in contact so we can get that information out.
2: All right, Brian Walker, twenty-six-year-old stage three B-Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. Uh, God, uh, no kids. Lives on the beach. Loves tacos. CancerCon uh, returning champion, and we'll see you next year at twenty seventeen. Brian Walker, thank you. Thank you. Okay, Mal, and now the news. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts,
1: ma'am.
3: Head on over to events.stupidcancer.org. That's events.stupidcancer.org. Sign up for meetup alerts and never miss a meetup again. If you'd like to learn more about hosting your own stupid cancer meetup, visit stupidcancer.org meetup. Okay, there are events happening in Houston, Texas and Baton Rouge.
2: Very nice. No one should face cancer alone because isolation sucks. Download Instapeer for iPhone, iPad, and Android, create your account, and instantly start chatting with someone just like you who's been there and walked in your shoes. Join our community of thousands of cancer patients, survivors, and caregivers around the world right now on your mobile device, Instapeer.
3: We've launched a newsfeed aggregator, aggregator on Tumblr for all the articles, blogs, and stories we couldn't possibly have time to post on social media check out what we're reading 24-7 and don't miss a beat. Subscribe at stupidcancer.org slash feed.
2: For young adults, clinical trials are a red hot mess. So we're throwing our hat in the ring to make some sense of the madness. Introducing I am not a trial. Real young adults, real faces and real stories plucked straight from our own community. Watch the entire video series right now at Iamnotatrial.com.
3: Support our programs and services by heading over to StupidCancerStore.org. You'll feel great and look great in new Stupid Cancer gear. That's StupidCancerStore.org. Be proud. Wear Stupid Cancer. And that
2: is your Stupid Cancer News. In our main segment, Danny Heinsen celebrated his 10th year of remission from brain cancer by competing in Ironman Canada, just what I did, and founded My Hometown Heroes, a scholarship fund for young adult cancer survivors. Heinsen is an endurance athlete, sports business professional, keynote speaker, sales coach, author, and philanthropist, and first time CancerCon attendee. He wrote an extraordinary Recap on LinkedIn, and uh, he's joining us right now here on the Stupid Cancer Show. Please welcome Danny Heinson. Hello, Danny. Thank you for joining Hello. us. Yes, so this is amazing, and this whole show is is our sort of our what the hell just happened in Denver recap, you know, show, and uh, right. we're we 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 typically are aware of the post social media. Phenomenon of, you know, what the hell just happened to me? Everything's different and wonderful, but we—I don't think we can ever really be prepared at the outpouring of content that spills out to the internet afterwards. And your your LinkedIn uh, was just amazing, and it caught our eye, and we just had to get you on the show to talk about your life. I'm always uh, partial to brain cancer, folks. That's my camp right there. And, um, you know, your, your LinkedIn profile in and of itself is so much more than just cancer survivor. There's so much we want to talk about right now with you, but I was hoping you could just talk about, you know, diagnosed 23. I was diagnosed 21 kind of sucks. What were you doing at the time?
0: Prior to diagnosis? Yes. I was a college student. I was getting prepared to graduate and I was going to be going on a two and a half month backpacking trip with my best friends. And, uh, you know, I had built my resume, you know, this is like in the, the late nineties and had aspirations to become an electrical engineer. And then about, uh, eight days before college graduation, woke up with a headache, you know, just like, uh, we all, we all talk about being a young adult at the age of 23, you know, we're indestructible. So, <laughs> um, you know, okay, this thing is going to blow over the next morning. And uh, so Monday morning, I wake up, I still have a headache, not really thinking too much about it. I take the last final of my undergraduate career. Um, Tuesday evening, I'm running the base pass in a softball game, and it just feels like there's this river rock just pounding in my head. So the next day, you know, this is like a week before I'm supposed to leave for Europe. So the next day, I, you know, schedule a couple appointments, get a couple uh, second opinions, and I'm told, oh, it's, you know, stress of finals, anxiety to graduate, and you're excited to go to Europe. So here's prescriptions, Calls back, you know the routine. Uh, Saturday was actually the best I felt all week. Sunday I graduated. Headaches were still lingering. Monday morning I wake up. Uh, headaches are worse than ever. Um, so my dad takes me to the ER uh, room, and after two and a half hours of testing, uh, I meet my dad in the waiting room, and he says, uh, stands up, and it says, it doesn't look like you're going to Europe. Doctors think you have a tumor. That's when it all began.
2: That is when it all began. I should clarify that you are actually 16 years uh, cancer-free, but you celebrated 10 years, obviously, math in 2010. I, I want to talk about how, you know, like, a- and we-, we touched on this with the environment panel, and we can talk about y- your takeaways from the conference. Um, cancer doesn't discriminate regardless of how healthy you are as a young adult or your behavior, And, you know, there's really no early detection or screenings for our cancers. And we've had, you know, just the people in the peak of their lives in perfect health and vegans and vegetarians on the show. Were you at all, like, just, I mean, beyond the regular anger of what the hell is this? Just like, I did everything right. Why?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. You know, uh... In in retrospect, everything in hindsight, uh, like looking back, I, I actually published a book in 2014 about you know four different aspects of you know why I might have gotten cancer. You know was it was it the the water, was it the food, was it the cafeteria food? You know all the you know the fruit cocktails sat, saturated in corn syrup. Was it was it the lifestyle? I wasn't a smoker, um, but back in the late 1990s in in the state of Nevada you know, you're allowed to smoke in nightclubs and everything. Um, so, you know, maybe that was part of it, or maybe it was partially genetics as well. So, you know, I've listened to past uh, Stupid Cancer podcasts, and, you know, the, the questions always come up that, um, you know, everything is going right, and, it, it you know, you're absolutely right. Cancer doesn't discriminate, you know, who it uh, afflicts. And um, it was just a shock to to our entire family Is it, as it was to me. And, you know, at, at that age, it's just like, you know, you still, you want to live your life, but then it's like, oh crap, you know, I got this, got something going on. And with my case in particular, um, you know, I had primary central nervous system lymphoma, a type of cancer that originates in the brain with a median survival rate of five years or so it was told, told at the time, but nobody ever mentioned that, uh, lymphoma was cancer. So after three craniotomies, removal of a little racquetball-sized tumor, massive seizure complications, losing my ability to write, to type on a keyboard, play musical instruments. Um, finally, have a third craniotomy, and I go to see my oncologist here in Reno, He's, and I go, so what is that, cancer? And he just takes a couple steps back, and he nods his head. It's like, oh, okay, so <laughs> I got cancer, and I got, I got brain cancer. Uh, oh, oh. I hope that answers your question. No, no, I think. <laughs> I
2: mean, always a fun club to belong to. It's, it's, you know, how do you mess with the grand noodle? Uh, and you know, we we were very open about it. it's not a contest, but it's, it is the grand noodle, and it's kind of tough to manage that. And we, I'm sure you noticed, we had a lot of brain cancer uh, patients and survivors at the conference. It is uh, one of the larger patient groups, next to blood cancers and breast cancers, that we get. And I mean, we look back at how blessed we are coming out as relatively unscathed as we may perceive to be. Uh, can you shine a light on any long term effects or that you've been dealing with?
0: Yeah, I mean especially the the years that I came out of it because of the seizure complications it it really massively affected my my cognitive um, skills and ability to retain and um, and to and explain, extract information. So when I was going through my year of chemotherapy, taking my neuropsychological exams, um, you know, I, I tended to rank particularly high like on the on the visual spacing, but in terms of like auditory and, and feedback, like us having a conversation, you asking me questions, it would be very, very difficult for, for me to process. And, you know, after chemotherapy, um, you know, so I graduated in 1999, Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering at the time. It was like the hottest uh, career on the market. Um, So after chemotherapy and then, you know, trying to recover, getting back into the swing of life and trying to get back into a career, um, you know, the dot-com boom had busted and we were in a recession. So not only was I recovering from all this, the ramifications that come after cancer and then, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, but there were no jobs, you know, the only way to get a job in my particular field was to have, you know, five years of practical experience. And I had none. And, and I, I was obviously struggling from a cognitive standpoint. And, uh, it was a extremely isolating and lonely, lonely time. And I did make a couple of connections and a couple of really good friendships during my journey who were also ca- cancer patients. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, you know they, they didn't they didn't make it, and it just infuriated me even more. Just like this, this sucks, man. I gotta, you know, like you know, like like you gotta say, you know, you know, get busy living. It's like, and that was one of the toughest things was getting busy living. Like, how do I get back into the swing of things? You know, I my my degree is no longer relevant, um, and there there are two things that actually kind of pulled me out of the the abyss. And uh, the first one was a uh, team in training for the uh, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. You know, they raise millions of dollars every year for, you know, by training for marathons, triathlons, so on and so forth. And I was an honored patient while I was going through my ordeal. And about 11 months after my last treatment, the, uh, the cycling coach, uh, he invited me to their kickoff party on a Wednesday because everybody had done all their training and raised all the money. He says, uh, you know, why don't you come on down to my shop? And, and peck out a bike and you can come ride with us around Lake Tahoe that day well someone who mountain biked a lot in college I had a some some base fitness but obviously no condition to ride 72 miles around the Lake Tahoe basin right um, but I you know I, I got on that bike and um, you know I've been going through this competitive or this uh, repetitive vicious cycle in my head um, you know just like you know, i got to get on with my life. You know, I want to, I want to go to Europe, and uh, because of my the, the complications after, after chemotherapy, it wasn't a very smart idea. So there was a point where I just kind of had to let go of Europe and kind of start my life over again. But this bike ride was the ultimate game changer for me. So get up in the morning, get on the bike, start riding. Uh, the first rest stop is Emerald Bay. It's um, about 12 miles into the ride. And I remember the sun rising over Tahoe that morning was like the most beautiful spectacle spectacle I'd ever seen. And uh, I, I knew that something was special in store, you know, this particular day. Then I get out to Homewood. So 25 miles into the ride. Well, if I go, if I go back to the hotel, that's 50 miles and then I'm back to an ordinary day. Right. So I was able to catch up with Dan at mile 25 and he's all, you know, I'm doing a double century next week. I'm just going to, Hang with you so we get to uh we get to king's beach we're about 40 miles into the ride and i would never run this far in my entire life and i was completely just just sapped out of energy and we still had roughly 30 miles to go well from king's beach to the next rest stop is a uh, spooner summit about 800 foot climb uh get to the top of spooner and i'm really like completely out of gas <laughs> And then we go down this hill, and I'm thinking, God, you know, psychologically it's all downhill from here, but it's not. It's a, a series of rolling hills. And then finally we're about five miles to completing uh, the revolution around the lake, and I'm like, damn, man, I, I, this, is, this is killing me. I just don't have anything left in the tank. But, you know, he said, you know what, this is, this is for you. This is – we're, we're going we're gonna to wait here t- as long as we need to for you to rest and recover where we're going to finish this ride. So, um, growing up in the Reno Tahoe area, like going to like camp as a kid, I always remember these tennis courts before finishing the the drive around like Tahoe. And once I got to those tennis courts and I saw downtown South short South Tahoe, I knew how I'd finished the ride. And I just like erupted in this, this like emotional tidal wave. And it was at that time when I finished that ride, I, I knew what my mission was, um, and it was you know, largely inspired by Lance Armstrong. You know, he finished his tour in 1999, and when he finished his tour of France, he says to the media, "You know, if you ever have a second chance in life to do anything, you have to go all the way." So, I made it my mission the next year to actually join the team in training to do all the fundraising, and that was really like the cornerstone that really got me busy, busy living.
2: Again, and I, you- I had. Have- it's amazing how you I mean we always like success stories and you've you've clearly rapidly you know uh, rebuilt and regained your passion for everything you're doing. Uh, I love that you are a business guy in a sense. You you work in talent management, you've done some sports uh, relations and um you know you're, you you came to our event. You you've known of Stupid Cancer for a while, but this is your first CancerCon. What uh, what was the, the catalyst? Because you did drive eleven hundred miles from Reno to Denver to get there.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, there was never, uh, as I mentioned in my blog, there wasn't ever a, a community. You know, back when I was going through my ordeal, and obviously the internet had come a long ways. You know, from two thousand to two thousand and ten. And it still took me even after two thousand ten I think I found you guys in like two thousand eleven until like search engines were able to find you guys and it was year ten that I celebrated my tenth year admission, did Iron Man Canada to start my foundation um so for me, it was actually coming uh reuniting with like a family that i that I never had um, a family that I wish I had. Back in 2000, when I finished chemotherapy, to help me navigate through through the d- depression, the anxiety, someone to talk to, and you know, as you know, you were diagnosed, you know, a couple of years before I was, and you know, that was pr- your primary reason for starting Stupid Cancer was to help you know unify this this community. So for me, you know, just reconnecting or just connecting with everybody was extremely humbling and, you know, coming from a, you know, a business standpoint, um, before cancer con, you know, it's always about building business and everything. Um, but you know, cancer con, it's just like, boom, it's like, you're in, you're like instant family. And, you know, it just, it just kind of like, like sucked me in. And like a lot of the connections that I made were with a lot of, a lot of young adults who were just out of, out of their treatment for a couple of years. And, um, it was just—it was just great to <laughs> great to meet everybody. It was, it was
2: phenomenal. You know, one of the um, most intriguing, I guess, anthropologic aspects of CancerCon for me is how the folks who've been out of the, you know, out of it for five, ten years, wind up realizing here's a community that they didn't know they needed, and join us as you know activists without the. Um, the direct emotional connection to needing help. Now you're not coming in as a customer of Stupid Cancer. You're coming in as an advocate for young adults and you attended on behalf of people who needed you and needed to know that you were there for them. I I just want to read in your LinkedIn post, you had three observations of your experience and I want to talk about what your big takeaways were as literally jumping deep end of the pool first timer uh, into our brand experience that this is a group motivated by purpose and empowerment. We view setbacks as opportunities to grow and inspire, hands down. Uh, we are heavily influenced by musicians. Yes, we have a tremendous, the, a, the actual backbone of the brand was built on my personal experience meeting other young adult survivor musicians. Talking about a niche market there. And they helped me build the basis of this, this through arts and culture and personal expression. Um, and, you know, we want to have a talent show next year. That was the big call to action. It's like, I want to do this next year. So combining karaoke with a talent show is something that I think would just explode all of Denver. And we're very excited for that. And then sure. finally, you know, the vast majority of our community is millennials. I was excited to see that we did really skew a lot younger this year. There were, I think our bell curve median fell to like maybe 25, which is a big deal for us. And that, you're right, corporations need to consider... That we are an extremely active, patient community that just needs to live our lives, and we want to get busy living, and that we we you're right we don't mess around about any of this stuff, and we're 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 fervent about that. Uh, okay. What what was your takeaway, if you would, and then if you would uh, share with us some of the immediate points of your experience there.
0: Yeah. You know, obviously after, after cancer, you realize that that life is short and you have to make the best of what you have. So going back to that, that first, first bullet point, it's, um, you know, having this, this infrastructure of, of support with, with, with CancerCon, it actually gives us a, you know, a, a platform to, to express ourselves as, as survivors and to express ourselves that, yeah, we do have a right to live our lives and, you know to make the best with the time that we have um so i, I think that's just just by by default right there um with uh with the uh, with the musicians uh music was actually uh, what what was the main crutch that got me through my time of chemotherapy um you know incubus is one of my favorite bands they came out with the album make yourself in 1999 it was kind of like my anthem going through going through the ordeal and the album was called was called make yourself and uh, you know just with uh uh with 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 Andrew and um and yourself and uh Angel uh Reynosa or Angel Ray of Light just having those guys on stage just uh, you know all you guys are ex- extremely talented and you know music just it just touches touches the soul and inspires in 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 ways that are like so like intangible in ways that you can't describe And that is a huge component, I think, to coping and healing, uh, both during and after cancer. And uh, obviously, with the the millennial generation, um, you know, I haven't actually had to look for a job in the past 13 years. And I I guess you and I kind of are on that borderline between millennial and um, what is our generation, like Gen X or something,
2: Oh, I am Hi. I am I in the remember. Gen X is like 68 to to 80. So I'm 74. I'm literally dead smack Gen X.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, so I'm 76, so I'm right there with you. Yeah.
2: So in our remaining couple of minutes, I want to talk about how you're choosing to give back now to the young adult cancer world by your new charity called My Hometown Heroes, which solves the obvious elephant in the room, which is debt from medical bills and how much it costs to ideally have your life saved uh which is unethical and immoral and it's the devil we got in this country but talk to us about what motivated you to um you know to get that off the ground
0: Yeah absolutely well uh during my time with the uh, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for team and training I had raised about $125,000 for LLS during that time of uh, six years, and uh, 2009, since I've been involved in the the sports industry for all this time, uh, a good friend of mine, his name is Bonner Paddock, he's the first person with cerebral palsy to ever summit Mount Kilimanjaro, and he made an announcement at the conference that year um, that he wanted to raise a million dollars for kids with disabilities. Well, being 2009, the eve of my 10th year remission, I was, like, super inspired, so I was, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to raise $10,000 for something. (laughs) So uh, a bunch of friends of mine got together, and one of them said, well, why don't you start a scholarship fund? So I used my training for Ironman Canada to raise that initial funding of $10,000 to celebrate the decade milestone. And it was really to start out just a celebration of 10 years, and we awarded our first recipient in 2011. We brought her out to an Aces game, and she threw the first pitch. We cut her a check, bought tickets for her entire family, And, you know, and then in 2012 came around, I I started getting more of the data about, you know, the statistics over 70,000 young adults diagnosed every year. Um, You know, I guess, depending on which resource you reference, you know, the average student debt's anywhere between 24,000 to $40,000. And then, you know, about roughly 65% of high school graduates will attend college. So when you crunch the numbers, you know, that's, over a billion dollars in student debt every year just among this population alone. So it's like, well, crap, you know, Um, you know, we've awarded 26 scholarships since 2011. And I actually just left my corporate job back in October so I can put a more uh, uh, aggressive effort towards raising money for these kids. So I just said to them, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work towards awarding a million dollars in scholarships to these to this population, and what I've learned over the years is this isn't just scholarship money. This is giving them a sense of, like, inclusion, that they're being recognized, you know, for, I mean, they've, they've gone through cancer, but, you know, regardless of the amounts, we know we've given anywhere between $1,000 and $5,000, and even if, if it's just $1,000, it's just like, wow, you know, somebody actually actually understands what I went through. So, um, you know, you only live you only live once and my my goal right now is to scale the foundation to award a million dollars in scholarships by 2020 and um bring along as many people as we can.
2: You know, it's interesting because over the last 9 years running the company, uh the number one consistent request we get either via email or phone or a customer service platform or even on site is, you know, Do you offer financial assistance? And while there are numerous nonprofits in our space that do and we don't, there's regrettably no short supply of demand and no short (laughs) demand of supply. And the health economic data around uh, student debt in general is horrible. But when you start to factor in cancer with student debt for the the millennials and the sub-millennials and the high school students trying to get into college and discrimination against pre-existing condition, which is technically illegal, but happens all the time when you're applying for things because your social media footprint speaks louder than your resume and your SAT scores. This is our call to action. This is why we matter. And I can't think of a better person to engage with on the leadership level about helping to solve some of those challenges than than you as the officially Kool Aid drinking human being of the stupid cancer universe, what um, uh-huh. uh, and by the way I haven't been to Reno I was it was like that Chevy Chase vacation with the station wagon that my family did in uh, 1980 we went to Reno we rented a um, a boat on Lake Tahoe and I remember there's some street in Reno that is the border between California and Nevada. That we just enjoyed jumping across and saying that we're in different states so that that's my fond memory of reno there you go uh what yeah, are, yeah so so this is incredibly aspirational and it it is definitely a need that we i don't have no interest in stepping into because it's incredibly nuanced and difficult not our wheelhouse i i commend you for for doing that um what would what what's your takeaway in terms of like you met so many people at the conference who are in need? What did you What did you learn? What was your 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 big, you know, how I can plug in immediately to this community? Like what what part of CancerCon did you take home to Reno?
0: Well, one of the things that I took back from Reno was I don't know if you know uh, A- Amy Nessler, but she's actually from Reno. She attended uh, CancerCon. And I had no idea that she was there, let alone that uh, that she was from Reno. and I connected with her, um, gosh, um, let me—that's a good question. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, you know be, because of my past experience in business development and corporate sponsorship, working with the New York Yankees, Baltimore Ravens, Under Armour, so on and so forth. Um, I, I think I have a, a perspective from the professional level on you know in working with these clients in the world of experiential marketing that, uh, you know, I, I can, you know, maybe act, act as a mentor or, um, you know, whatever I can do to, to kind of help these kids like find opportunities because my opportunity to get this corporate position really came from a passion and that was music. So when I finished my year of chemotherapy, um, I got back into the gym. I started taking spinning classes and I was like, this is awesome. I get to play, I could play my own music. I can exercise, I can motivate people and I get paid on top of it. So the first thing that I wanted to do when I finished chemotherapy was become a spinning instructor. Well, um, I guess it's the thing that I, I want to be able to share is to always follow your passion because with this passion of music and the, this, this cycling, I met the, uh, the owner of a startup company, um, that I ended up working with for 13 years and he's like, dude, man, you play kick ass music. You should just take over this class. We had the same um, mutual favorite uh, musicians and he was just starting up his company. I was just about to move out of Reno. And he said, man, I need someone to help me out, um, you know, to help grow the business. So that was like a huge opportunity for me because I could, yeah, I, I could, I have an opportunity to like work in an industry that I could work with my favorite artists and, I, I think, like the the thing to, that we should encourage um, other young adult survivors is to always follow your passion. Because no matter how crappy your life gets, you know you can always go back to your passion, whether it's listening to music, and that'll that'll help keep you grounded and um, inspired to keep going.
2: Danny Heinson, 16-year uh, brain cancer survivor from Reno. Uh, celebrated his 10-year remission in 2010 by running the Ironman Canada, no small feat. You know, just 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 a regular Thursday for all of us. Uh, sure. Influential speaker, clearly a, a seasoned entrepreneur, podcaster, sales coach, a philanthropist, new um, uh, giver, backer to the young adult cancer movement through my hometown heroes. What is the website people can visit?
0: Myhometownheroes.org.
2: Straightforward, right there, uh, and uh, first time cancer con attendee. Hopefully not the last time cancer con attendee. And I'm gonna just crown you the stupid cancer king of Reno, so we can build some community there with you. Let's make it happen. Good stuff, Danny. Thank you for joining us. And Godspeed. Pleasure, man. Thanks, Matt. All right. All right, now it's time for our closing sequence.
1: Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again.
2: That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer.
1: Okay,
4: folks, that's our show, the 384th episode of... The Stupid Cancer Show. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and following
2: us on SoundCloud. I'd like to thank our guests, Brian Walker and Danny Heintzen, for joining us. Broadcasting since 2007, The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer, online at stupidcancer.org. Coming to you from the chemo deck. And on behalf of my team here at the Stupid Cancer Show, we hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. Thank you for listening. And we will see you back here on the next exciting podcast of the Stupid Cancer Show. Goodbye,
1: folks.